Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk. How we doing? Morning, those of you that are with us online. I hope that you guys have had a good last few weeks of uh, school. I know a lot of us have been going to graduation parties and we've been giving money to seniors and eighth graders. It's like the, I told my daughter, make sure you send out, we got to send out some uh, graduation announcements, babe. This is like, got to get a little money out of this thing. And so, uh, and, and so for you, you probably have done the same thing. You've been, uh, whether it's your kid or somebody else getting involved and uh, just cheering some kids on as they graduate. One of the things that I love about summer uh, is not the 115 degree weather. Uh, our, our greeters, we, we were talking out there, like the people that stand out by the road and hold the signs, they're the people that are probably going to get to heaven first if they do that during the summer, not because they actually they'll have the best place in heaven. If they don't want to get to heaven first, that probably wouldn't be good. Uh, but but uh, that's not one of the things I love about summer. But one of the things I love about summer And if you're a sports fan, you will probably relate with this, is, man, summer is a great time to watch baseball. Specifically, if you, man, maybe you like going down to Sacramento or Marysville and watch a minor league baseball game, or maybe you, man, to escape the heat, you decide in August to, like, I'm going to go see the Giants play because I want to see some baseball, but I also want to get away from the really, really hot weather. And so if, if you like sports, this is a good time to kind of connect with baseball. When I was a kid, and if you have kids and you take them to a baseball game, and you'll remember this, going to a game's good. You can get a hot dog, get a few other things. But, but there's two things that if you're a kid makes a baseball game extra special if you go to that game and these two things happen. And so one of them, and you know this, if you happen to catch a foul ball. Like that, like if you go to a game and it's great to watch a game, but man, if you catch a foul ball, that takes like that experience up a couple notches. And then the second thing that makes it really special for a kid is if they get an autograph from somebody that they admire, one of the baseball players, and that takes the experience up a bunch. I remember when I was in middle school, my favorite baseball player was a guy that played for the Detroit Tigers. His name was Cecil Fielder. Some of you will remember Cecil. Uh, He was a really, really big guy uh, that uh, hit home runs pretty far. And one of the great things about Cecil and the Detroit Tigers is they had spring training in Lakeland, Florida, which is the city I grew up in. So me and my friend, I remember my friend Wyatt, he was my best friend in middle school. We went to one of the Detroit Tigers spring training games and we had one goal. Like obviously we wanted to see the game, but we wanted to meet Cecil and we wanted to get his autograph. And so, man, we're just like looking, all right, where are the players coming out? When are they coming out? Trying to get where the players are so that we could get an autograph. And man, we, we couldn't get an autograph, like we couldn't get to him. And so we're like, all right, we got to 
probably do something illegal, but we're going to get to meet this guy. And, and so we were thinking of ways that we could get to him. And so we thought, hey, where do the players come out after the game? So obviously they go back somewhere and then they have to go to a car and, and drive home. And so we, we found out, we found where the player's entrance was. And I don't know if it was illegal or if it was yeah, just a gray area, but we, but bottom line, we went in there and all of a sudden, Cecil Fielder and his son, who was a baseball player too, Prince Fielder, who was just a little kid at that point, man, walks out. And if you've ever met somebody that you really wanted to meet, somebody famous, you're like, you don't know what to say to him. I'm just like, here, sign things for me. Uh, And he did. He signed uh, a baseball for me. And I remember that just being a really special memory. And maybe for you, you've experienced something like that, where maybe it was an athlete that you really wanted to meet, or maybe it was an artist. Like, like if, if my daughter got to meet Taylor Swift, I think she would think she was in heaven. And maybe for you, you, you got to meet your favorite artist. Maybe it was another famous uh, kind of person. Maybe it was a, a Hollywood star, and you can remember going, and you got maybe a selfie with them. Maybe you got their autograph, you got a picture, and, and it was a special thing. But probably, just like when I met Cecil, it was a really special moment and a really good memory, but it didn't like impact me long term. I'm not like a different person today because I had this time to, where I met my favorite baseball player. And, and you'd probably say the same thing. Man, it was a special memory. You got a picture, you hang on the wall, maybe you got an autograph, but it's not like that moment with that star, with that artist, with that athlete, like changed your life long term. But maybe you have experienced meeting someone and maybe they're not famous at all. And you would say, because I met that person, my life was never the same. And maybe you have some people like that in your life and you'd say, yeah, no one knows their name and they're not super famous, but man, I, I met this person and, and this, when I met this person, their impact on me, my life has never been the same. Well, well there was a guy, a young guy that, that if you grew up in church, you, you probably heard his name. His name's John. And he was a young fisherman. And he was kind of a fisherman with his brother James. And there was a day that, that John met Jesus. And it was one of those moments that it wasn't just a selfie and an autograph and a really cool memory. But, but he met Jesus and it literally changed the rest of his existence. See, like I said, James and John, they were brothers. They were fishermen. They worked for their dad. Their dad was named Zebedee. And there was a day, and if you've read through the Gospels, you've probably read a little bit about this, where, where this guy, Jesus, whom they had probably seen and maybe knew of, may have been a little bit of friends with already, acquaintances, where this guy, Jesus, came by where they were fishing, and he said, hey, guys, I want to I invite you to follow me. I want to invite you to be my disciple. I want to invite you to leave your nets and leave your job. And for the next few years, I want to invite you to be close to me, be on my team. And John and James, they left their dad, poor guy. I mean, they, obviously, hopefully he was good with this, but they left their nets and they followed Jesus. And if you know anything about John, you know that John was a guy that, that was a unique, out of the 12 disciples, he was a unique guy. 
He, he may have been, if Jesus had like a best friend, if, if Jesus had someone out of the 12 that was kind of closest to him, John probably was that guy, kind of like a best friend. And, and John was unique because a few things about John. John was the only disciple out of the 12 that were there when Jesus died. We read in the Gospels where Jesus literally looks down from the cross at John and he says, hey, John, take care of my mom. His mom, Jesus's mom, was by the cross and John must have been close by too because he literally looks down at John from the cross and he says, hey, hey, this is your son, this is your mom, you, you take care of each other. And then we know this about John. Not only was John the only guy that was at the cross that we know of, but John was the first disciple to see the empty tomb. Like he was a little faster runner than Peter, and so they were on their way to the to see uh, the, they were on their way to see the, this tomb that people had said is, is empty, and John got there first, and John was the guy that, man, he was the first one to look in and see. Man, Jesus isn't here. John was a unique disciple, and, and history tells us that after Jesus died and rose from the grave, that he spent a little time uh, with his disciples, and, and he showed himself to over 500 people. But then what he did is he went back to heaven. And John stayed there in Jerusalem for several years, and he became one of the leaders of the early church. And then history tells us that in about 66 AD that John moved and he left Jerusalem and he went to a city by the name of Ephesus. And while he was in Ephesus, he used his spiritual influence to serve the churches that many of them Paul had started. And he served the churches. He wrote to them and served them. He tried to help them. All throughout Asia Minor, there were these little house churches. And, and John used kind of the last 20 to 30 years of his life to serve them. And here's something that's really unique about John. It's about A.D. 90 to 95 Jesus has been gone for about 60 years. Every single one of the disciples have been killed. And John's the last one left. John's brother James was the first disciple to be killed. His friend Peter was crucified upside down. His friend Paul had, had been beheaded about 30 years earlier. And John is literally the last human being on the earth that saw Jesus physically. He saw him. He was the last one left. And so John, understanding that he's the last one that has saw, and, and he's the last one that spent real time with Jesus, he pens a letter, a letter that we know is 1 John. And in this letter, his purpose for writing this letter is he wants to address some wrong teaching. There's been some wrong teaching about Jesus. And John, man, he knew Jesus as good as anybody, and he wanted to address that wrong teaching. But then he also used this letter to encourage the people that would read it. He wanted to encourage them to not just be somebody that has a lot of knowledge in your head and talks a good game, but somebody that really practically lives out their faith and loves other people well. And obviously, back in this time, there wasn't like a, a group text option or a group email option. 
And so what happened with John's letter is he sent it to, to one church and what they would do, I don't know if like a library, Netflix, I don't know what it was, but all right, you, you get it for a few weeks and then that letter would go to the next church and, and it kind of circulated through all these little churches throughout Asia Minor. And if you have your Bible or you can look on your, on your CityWalk app, there's a Bible. Look at 1 John chapter 1 and, and let's see what this letter is all about. He says this, John's writing, he's a few years from dying, it's you know, 90 to 95 AD, and he says this, he says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard. So what's he talking about? What was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the fact that Jesus didn't start his existence when he came to earth. He's, he's existed before the world began. He says, what was from the beginning, Jesus, he says, we, what we have heard. John's like, man, I, I heard his teaching. I remember the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't read it. I was there. He says, what we have seen with our own eyes. John says, I, I heard his teaching, but man, you know what? I was there when he healed that person. I was there when he served the poor. I was there. I saw it. He, he says, I, I saw it with my own eyes. What we have observed, this idea of observing is this watching carefully. And I watched Jesus. I observed him, and he says, and have touched with our own hands. Man, I gave Jesus a hug. I high-fived him, man. I, I saw him. We were together concerning the word of life. John's saying, he's saying, you know what? Man, Jesus wasn't just a spirit. He wasn't just this idea. Jesus was 100% God, yes, but he was also 100% human. And I saw him, I observed him closely, I loved him dearly. He was real. He is real. And then he goes on in verse 2, he says, that life was revealed, it was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. He's like, God the Son, Jesus, who existed from eternity past and is the source of eternal life, I had lunch with him. I went fishing with him. I heard him teach. I watched him. He was my friend. He was real. He was all God and all man, and he was real. He was the source of eternal life. And then he goes on in verse 3, and he kind of continues on with, with just this idea of, man, let me, let me tell you why he's so real to me. He says, what we have seen and heard, we declare to you. See, John's like, I wasn't the only one that saw him. I wasn't the only one that heard him. I saw him, I heard him, and I, I'm declaring to you, I, I want to tell you why it's so important that you know this about Jesus. He says, I'm going to declare to you, and he says, so that you may also have fellowship with us. I want you to understand that Jesus was real. I want you to understand that Jesus really lived, that he really died, that he really rose from the grave, that he really is the source of eternal life. I want you to know that so that you can have fellowship with us. So when you think of this word fellowship, 
When I was a kid, what I think of when I think of the word fellowship was the dinners that people would have after church. So if you grew up in church, and uh, if you didn't, you'd be like, that doesn't even make sense to me, Chris. But if somebody said, hey, we're going to have a fellowship after church, little kids thinking, okay, what desserts, what food? Like fellowship means, I guess we talk to each other, but there's always good food. And so, man, when I think, when I hear the word fellowship, it's like, okay, eating good food together. And what John's meaning, and it might have something to do with eating, but, but what the word fellowship means is it means to have things in common, to, to partner. There's a closeness about this. I want you to have in common my love and passion for Jesus, that we could fellowship together. We could have this in common together. And he goes on and he says, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. He says, we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. See, a right relationship with God and others is what for John, man, these were, these were kind of his spiritual kids. And he's like, man, a, a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others, man, gives me so much joy to hear that about you. So you would understand this. So this summer, you're probably going to go, and maybe you've already taken your vacation, but you're probably going to go on vacation. And you're going to come back from vacation, and you're going to have a favorite place you ate or a favorite thing you did, something that you experienced with the people you were on vacation about. And you're, you're, man, it's a good memory for you. It was something that, man, you had a lot of joy doing or a lot of joy eating, and it was a special thing for you. And you're going to come back, and you're, because we have phones that have, you know, cameras on them now, you're going to come back, and, and early on when you get back, you're going to pull out your phone at some point, and you're going to be like, man, hey, let me show you this thing I ate at the whatever place I went. And you're going to show it to your friend. Or, hey, this was the zip line that we got on. And you're going to, you know, so let me show you the video of it. And here's what you want, just the same thing that I want. You want that person that you're talking to to have in common with you the excitement about this thing that you have. And you want them to see it. And, and if they go to the place, you're like, hey, you got to eat here. You got to eat here. You got to go on the zip line. You got to do this thing. And because for you, you loved it so much and you want somebody else to enjoy it and love it and experience it just the way you did. You want to have that in common with somebody. The people you love, you want to have in common with them the things that you love. You want them to experience the ice cream sundae. You want them to experience the steak or whatever it is. You want them to have fellowship with you. You want them to have this in common. And here's what John's saying. John's saying, I'm writing to you because I can't get over Jesus. I can't get over Jesus. I saw him. I heard him. I was close to him, and he changed me forever. And I want you to experience that too. I want you to have the same confidence and closeness that I have. I want us to have that in common. In fact, John would say, nothing would make me happier than if you had the same confidence and courage and hope that I have because Jesus changed my life. I want us to have that in common. And if you're a a parent, and if you're not a parent yet, you'll feel this. 
you understand what that feeling's like because you feel that way about your kids. There's things that you want your kids to grab hold of. There's things that you want them to know about God and things you want them to experience about God. And, and nothing would make you happier than if you and your kids have in common a love and passion for Jesus. And that's what John's saying. He's saying, my, my joy will be complete if you and I have in common a love and passion for Jesus. He, he goes on in verse 5 and he says this. He says, this is the message that we heard from him. He says, this is what Jesus told us. This is the message. He says, this is what he told us and, we, and I want to declare it to you. He says this. Here, here it is. God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in him. John says, man, I, I was with Jesus. I, I heard him a bunch. And, and here's what the, the kind of the message, the crux of his message. God is light. It speaks of God's, his set-apartness. It speaks of who God is. And he says there's, there's absolutely no darkness in him at all. And John says this, he says, if we say that we have fellowship, so if we say that we have things in common with God, if we say we have fellowship with him, a relationship with him, things in common with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. See, if, if we say we have fellowship with him, we should reflect his character. We should love what he loves. We should hate what he hates. If you've been to my house, and, and several of you, you've been to my house, and, and if I came to your house, I'd probably see a very similar thing in a lot of your homes. You walk in our backyard, and, and we have, not because we're good at planting or growing things, but just because the person that lived there before us was. Uh, we have orange, an orange tree that produces ridiculously great oranges and then we have a cherry tree that has produced this year, I think, because of the rain, just tons of cherries. And, and, and I, when I walk outside, and I, I know, you know my cherry tree is right straight when I walk in my backyard, the orange tree's over here. When I walk out to the cherry tree, I never walk to it and think, you know what, I'm really in the, the mood for an orange, but I don't want to walk to that side of the yard, so I'm really hoping that there's going to be an orange on this cherry tree. Of course not. I never go to my orange tree and, and I'm like, you know what? I'm really in the, I'm in the mood for a Butterfingers. And so I, I don't know if, if, if we could put, is there maybe some Butterfingers kind of hanging from this tree? Of course not. That's absurd. It's like a terrible illustration. <laughs> because obviously a cherry tree produces cherries. An orange tree produces oranges. And if there is a Butterfinger tree that I don't know about, let me know. Because I'll get one of those too. But, but we don't, like, duh, we know that. You don't have to be a farmer to know that. You don't have to be like somebody that studied all your life. It's like, no, orange trees produce oranges. Cherry trees produce cherries. If you're a baseball fan and you're a Giants fan, you don't wear a Dodgers hat and vice versa. It's just, it is what it is. And Johnny's just being real straightforward. He says, if you say you have fellowship with God... And yet you walk in darkness. See, God is light. I just told you that, John says. Like, that's just not, that's absurd. 
That's just not the way it should be. It just, it just isn't that. And he goes on, he says, but if we walk in the light. So what do you mean, John? Like, is that like turn my camera on on my phone and just kind of walk with it on all the time? What do you mean? What, if, what does it mean to walk in the light? He's basically saying if you live a life that is consistent with who God is and what he says. If you walk in the light as he himself is in the light, two things happen. We have fellowship with one another. And, and I was in a, a Bible study yesterday with some guys from our church, and, and we were talking about how John was writing to mainly believers. And so what John is saying here is he's saying, hey, if, if you walk in the light, and if you have things in common with God, then you're going to be somebody who, man, you're going to do things God's way. You're going to do things that, that would make sense for somebody that walks in the light. And one of those things is you're going to have things in common with other believers. You're going to have fellowship with other believers. If you go to church and you're around church people, and if you're not somebody that goes to church, this is probably one of the reasons you don't like going to church. If you go to a place and people that say they love God are always fighting, Maybe they don't love God as much as they think they do. Because what John's saying here is he's saying, man, if you're walking in the light, one of the things that will naturally happen is you're going to have fellowship with one another. But then he goes on and he says this, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you're walking in the light and you're doing things according to what God says, not only will you have fellowship with other people, but you will be much more sensitive to when you do things that don't please God. You will be much more sensitive to, hey, oh man, I stepped out of line here. I, that, was, that was not walking in the light. And you'll be much more willing to take care of those sins and get right with God. He's saying, man, if you walk in darkness, if you say you have fellowship with God and you walk in darkness, you're lying. You're not telling the truth. But if you're someone that is truly walking in the light as he is in the light, you're going to have fellowship. You're going to have things in common with other people that walk in the light. But you're also going to be much more sensitive to things in your life. And, and, and if, if you've been walking with God for a long time, you'll understand this. There's things, this happens to us frequently, there's things I watch when I was, and I'm not here to tell you what you should watch or not watch, you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and the bar is probably higher than what you even think, but be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but there's things, and, and maybe you've experienced this, that I watched when I was in college, and I was like, oh, that was such a great movie, I remember that movie, let's, let's, let's watch that movie, and I'll start to watch it, and I'm like, what did I watch this for? That was, that is awful. My, oh my goodness. I didn't even remember that scene. What, what was I? And, and not because I wasn't trying to follow God back then or I've, never have I ever been perfect. And you've experienced this, but as you walk in the light longer, you become more sensitive to God. And there's, and my pastor in Florida said it to me this way. He says, the closer I get to God, the more freedom I realize I have, but the less I use. Uh, yeah, I, I realize that I have much more freedom than I thought way back when I just started to follow God, but I use less of my freedom the closer I get to God. 
And that's what John's saying. He's saying, if you walk in the light, you're going to have fellowship. You're going to have connection. You're going to have things in common with other believers. It's why small groups are so important. But also, you're going to be much more sensitive to sin because the blood of Jesus, it will cleanse you. And then he says this. He kind of goes back and talks to the people that think they never do anything wrong. He says, hey, if, if we say we have no sin, like if you think you walked a stage this past week and you graduated from being a sinner, if you think you don't have a sin nature anymore and you've somehow reached this perfection that you don't struggle, here's what John says. If we say we have no sin, we're basically deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. This idea of deceiving ourselves is literally we're causing ourselves to wonder. We're, cause, we're literally leading ourselves astray. When I downplay sin in my own life, I might look better to you, but I'm actually causing myself to go astray. I'm leading myself down the wrong road when I pretend I don't struggle. That's why, man, I, I love our invite cards. And, and it's on purpose that we say it this way. On the front of our invite cards, and I love giving them to people because they're like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I could show up then. It says, no perfect people allowed. And it's like, man, if, if you think you have it all together and you've kind of graduated this thing, you don't struggle, we're probably not going to be a good church for you. But if you realize that you're not perfect and you realize that you struggle, you're going to have a lot in common with a lot of people at our church, including the pastor. And that's what Johnny's saying. If you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in us. And then he says this, 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is this? This is an important word. This is a really important word he said, because it says, if we do something, God faithfully does what he promises to do. So what does that word confess mean? Does it mean, hey, just say you're sorry? No, this is what it means. It means to say the same thing about sin that God does. When I confess my sin, basically what I'm doing is saying, you know what, God, exactly what you say about this is right. God, the, the lust, the greed, the gossip, the, the whatever the struggle is, God, I'm not going to pretend that it's okay. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to look at this thing through your lens, and I'm going to confess it. I'm going to say the same thing about greed that you do. I'm going to say the same thing about lust that you do. I'm going to say the same thing about selfishness that you do. I'm not going to make up some JV version of what this really is. I'm going to say the same thing about sin. I'm going to admit it, confess it. And here's what's awesome. When we do that, it says he's faithful and just and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us. But if you grew up, and maybe you did, or maybe this is why you walked away from the church for a season. If you grew up seeing God as like a principal at your school, or seeing God as like that judge in the sky that's just waiting for you, to, to, to mess up so he can like lay, lay it down on you. 
then that verse maybe doesn't make sense or it doesn't sit right. But if you see God the way John did, this idea of admitting, humbling yourself, confessing sin, it just makes sense. Because he looked in the eyes of a man who never sinned, but yet went to a cross and took a brutal beating and was crucified so that he could have a relationship with God. And and he looked at that guy and he's saying, you know what? I know what unconditional love looks like. I saw it. And so confessing my sin to this God who loves me like a perfect father just makes sense. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he closes out this kind of first section of his book. And he just kind of goes back one more time for the people that still don't think they're a sinner. He says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him talking about God a liar and his word is not in us if I pretend not to struggle with sin if I say I don't sin basically what I'm doing is I'm putting myself on par with God and saying I don't need Jesus when when I pretend that I have it all together and I don't need God I'm basically saying Jesus thanks for dying on the cross for all those other people that really needed it but I didn't. See, John, he, he wrote this letter about 2,000 years ago, about 1,900 and something years ago. And, and, and yet what he addresses in this letter that was circulated all throughout Asia Minor is, is as relevant today as it was when he wrote it. And his desire for the people that were reading this as they would get this letter and kind of read it at their homes in their small churches His desire for these people was that they would be in a close relationship with God that would lead to a close relationship with others. And for John, he called it walking in the light. And maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning and kind of no matter where you find yourself today as it relates to faith. And I know there's different people that have kind of at different places in their faith right now that are watching or that are here this morning. And no matter where you find yourself, even if you're not sure what you totally believe, I'm going to guess that, and you might not call it this, but even if you're not sure what you believe, you're a little skeptical of this whole thing, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, it doesn't matter where you are, there's something inside of you that wants to be good with God. And again, you might not even call him God, but there's something inside of you that's like, if there is something bigger out there, I would like to be good with God. I'd like to be on the right page with God. And, and, and we know this, when we're alone and when nobody else is around us, we know kind of deep within us that all the stuff that we try to fill that hole with, that I want to, I know there's something out there. Solomon calls it eternity. He said, eternity is in the hearts of men. Like there's something inside of us that knows there's something bigger, even if we don't want to admit it. And, and there's something inside of us that when we're alone and, and when nobody else is around, when we can take our mask totally off, we know that money doesn't fill that hole. 
We know that recognition, likes on social media, we, we know it doesn't fill that hole. We know that accomplishments don't fill that hole. We know that experiences don't fill that hole. When, when we're alone and we're honest with ourselves, we know that that hole, that need, that oh, I want to be good with God isn't filled by any of the stuff the world has. We know that. Even if, we're, even if we wouldn't admit it. We know that. So, so let me ask you a question. If that's true, and maybe you'd say, I don't agree with you, Chris, which you obviously can disagree. But if, if it's true that there's something inside of us that, that wants to be good with God, that wants to have a relationship with him, even if we wouldn't call it that, here's the question that John would ask us. It's the same question that he addressed, and it's simply this. He, pretty straightforward guy. He says, here's the question. Are you walking in the light or in darkness? Are you walking in the light or in darkness? You might be like, man, I, I never really thought of it that way. I, I hope I'm walking in the light. And one of the reasons that John wrote this letter is so that you wouldn't have to hope. You could know. And so maybe you're there and, and or you're watching online and you're like, you know what? I, I obviously hope that I'm walking in the light. If God is light, I, yeah, I'd like to be good with God. I'd like to be on his page. I'd like to have a relationship with him. Yeah, I'd like to do it his way. So, so how do I know? How do I know? I mean, I think I am. I, how do I know? Well, well, a good place to start is with the, these two questions. And these are two questions that John, basically in this first few verses of his letter, this is kind of his focus. And here was, here's the first question that, that will give you some insight to whether you're walking in the light. And here's the first question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I mean, this was so important to John. If you read any of the other letters in the New Testament, like Paul's letters, he introduces himself at the beginning of the letters, not John. This was so important to him. He's like, I'm not even going to tell him who's writing. I'm just going to get into the Jesus stuff. Like he wanted to write from the beginning. He didn't even say, hey, this is your boy, John. He's like, no, from the beginning, Jesus came. Jesus, I saw him. I heard him. And, and he gets right into it. And so one of the questions that you need to, not the Sunday school answer that you've always been taught, but really in your heart, who is Jesus to you? See, John would say this, Jesus was 100% God. He was 100% man. He was sinless. At the age of 33, he died on a cross. I was there. I saw him take his body off the cross. I saw where they were going to put him. They put him in a tomb. And then three days later, I beat Peter to the tomb. And I looked inside and there was no Jesus. And then a few hours later, I saw Jesus alive. And John would say, Jesus is God's son. He is the savior of the world. He's not a good guy. He's not a good teacher. He's not a good prophet. He's God. And John, in another gospel that he wrote, he wrote this. He said this in John chapter 3, verse 16. He says, for God so loved the world. He loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then John, again, John's pretty straightforward, pretty straight shooter. Here's what he says in verse 18. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. So, who's Jesus? Am I walking in the light? Am I walking in darkness? One of the the questions to lean into that you need to grapple with is this idea of, man, who is Jesus? John's pretty clear who he thinks Jesus is. But, but here's the second thing that you and I need to grapple with, and it will help us know if we're walking in the light. Second question is this, who am I? Am I basically a, a good person who, even when I blow it, is way better than the other people in the room? Like, like is this thing like graded on a, a curve or a scale, and I'm, I'm a lot better than everybody else? I got it together. See, it's hard to walk in the light with God when we live as if we don't need Him. When we say we have it all together, here's what we're doing. We downplay our sin and we basically say, God, you are a liar. And so who am I? I mean, we live in a world that's painted. A world that's full of masks. We wear them all week long. Just, just look at social media. I mean, it's like, it, we all know this. And, and there's this thing that we pretend not to struggle. We pretend not to have sin in our life. Or when we do have sin, we make an excuse for it. We point to somebody else or some other cause. Instead of just calling it what it is. And saying, yeah, man, I'm desperate for God. I, I need Jesus. This thing that's in my life that I've been kind of managing and kind of playing with that sin that God calls sin, man, I, this is not good. And, and, and you don't have to confess it or get rid of it, but at least call it what it is. That's what John would say. At least say what it is. Don't pretend it's not. This is a good, a big question. And there's something inside all of us, and let's be honest, and it's something inside me that wants to be and, and says things to myself to make me feel better than I really am. I mean, isn't that true? Like if something goes on or I do something wrong, there's something inside of me that has three or four excuses ready of why it was somebody else's fault or why it wasn't as big of a deal as it is. And and it's, it's because I forget the graciousness of God. And I'm basically calling God a liar. And so who am I? Who am I? Paul said it this way. He says, in Romans 3.23, he says, For all have sinned, missed the mark, and fall short of the glory of God. John met Jesus, and he was never the same. He saw Jesus for who Jesus truly was, and John knew his desperation and his need for a Savior. In fact, he was so deeply impacted that he used the rest of his life and his resources to help others experience the same thing. 
And, and it gave him so much joy. And you see it throughout a lot of his writings. It gave him so much joy to help other people know Jesus the way he knew Jesus and to walk with Jesus, to walk in the light the way John saw it to walk in the light. It made him so joyful. He literally says this in another one of his things. He says, there is no greater joy. There's nothing that makes me happier than when my kids, and he's talking about his spiritual kids, but it would apply to your own kids. Nothing makes me happier than to see my kids know and love Jesus. Nothing better. I know in my own life, Man, that's so true. My kids know that. I mean, I have three awesome kids. Two adult kids and, and one little kid that brings 400 stuffed animals to church every week with her. But, but and, and I've said this, like, I can, be a, I can do anything. Like, I, I'll go do any job. I, I mean, I feel called to be a pastor. But at the end of the day, if my kids are walking with Jesus when I'm laying on a bed and it's my last breath, I'm successful. That's all I want. That's it. I have one thing on my bucket list that my family knows and loves Jesus. That's it. And everything else is a distant second. And that's what John was saying. He's saying, I just, I just want you, my spiritual kids and my physical kids, I just want you to experience the Jesus that I experienced, the life change that I experienced. I want you to walk in the light. And today, and you know this, we, we live in a dark world, and, and it's easy to blend in amid the darkness, but, but we are called to walk in the light. And John, he suffered for walking in the light, but it is worth it. But it's a choice. You can walk in darkness and you'll have a lot more people on that path. Or you can walk in the light and you may be lonely sometime. But John would say, it's worth it. If you read any more about history through John, in John's kind of life, you find out that they tried to kill John, but they couldn't. They boiled him. The dude wouldn't die. So they ended up banishing him to an island called Patmos. And it's where he wrote the book of Revelation. And John would say to you, you know what? Getting boiled in oil wasn't fun. But I was walking in the light. And today, John is with his friend and savior. And his desire for the people that we're reading is the same as his desire would be for us, is that we would experience Jesus the same way. Let's pray. As we close, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, maybe you're here and you would say, or you're watching online and you'd say, hey, Chris, man, I, I'm kind of investigating faith. I'm a little skeptical of this whole thing. And, and I'm here at church, or I'm watching online, I'm listening to this on a podcast. And, and for you, you, you may have even played church and pretended, but you know at the end of the day that, man, I, I just don't have a relationship with God. And, and if you're here or you're watching online and, and that's you, you'd say, I, 
Maybe you play church. Maybe you even come to church. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you've never gone to church, but you just know I don't have a relationship with God. You can do that today. You say, Chris, how would I do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed. It's simple. You just talk to God, your heart to his heart. We call it prayer. Just telling God what we believe in our heart. And so in this moment, whether you're here with us or you're watching online, just, just talk to God. And you say, Chris, what would I even say? Well, just start by admitting to God. God, I, I've sinned. God, I've, I've disobeyed you. I've done things my own way. Just tell him. And then just tell him. God, I believe what John believed. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. And then just invite, just, God, come into my life. I want a relationship with you. Transform me from the inside out. Just tell him. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, I I did that. As you were praying and I, I talked to God, I ask God to come into my life, start a relationship. If you made that decision today or if you still have questions about that decision, if you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a little decision card that you can fill out. We'll contact you. We'd love to answer any questions you have and just help you in your relationship with God. If you're here this morning with us, there's a decision card right in front of you. And you can just fill that out, take it to the next steps table, or just drop, drop it in the offering basket. And we would be glad to call you this week, just make sure you understand your decision and, and just really want to rejoice with you. Maybe you're here, or you're watching online, and you would say, Chris, I'm, I'm already a follower of Jesus. I've, I've already made that decision. Well, one of the enemy strategies for those of you that have made a decision to follow Jesus is to forget how much we need Jesus every day. Yeah, we need Jesus for eternity, but sometimes we forget that we need Jesus to be a good dad, that we need Jesus to be a good worker, that we need Jesus to be a good, you fill in the blank. And we forget, we think it's only that we need Jesus for eternity, but man, we need his power, we need his love, we need him to live his life through us every day. And so for you, is there an area of your life that you would just confess to God right now and you would say, God, I just need to say the same thing about this that you do? I need to confess some sin? And God, I I need your help this week in this one area. What area is it for you? Where you would just say, God, I need you. Jesus, I need your help in this one area this week. What is it for you? Just tell him. God, I need you to to look at things that are pure. I need you to help me to not look at pornography this week. God, I struggle with that. God, I need you to love my wife well or love my kids well. I need you to not be lazy at work this week. I need you. Just tell God. Just walk in the light and tell him the truth. As we close this morning, the band's going to sing. And Glenn and Sue are down front. 
If you want to come down front and talk to someone, if you want to come down front and just pray yourself, they're available to encourage you, to pray with you. But I'd encourage you to just be obedient to what God's saying, to walk in the light. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. Help us to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.